Blog Talk Radio. the Frontier Beyond Fear live broadcast and podcast. I'm Susan Larison Dance, and today is Saturday, February 25th, 2023. Let me say thank you to those of you joining live and also those listening across time. You are all present here. We are all present together. Omnipresence implies there is no separation of space or of time, no matter where you are listening in the world today or when. Welcome from my heart. Today I did make the decision to extend the live show so that it's 45 minutes since the majority of programs have been that long. So we'll continue on that path and see how it unfolds. Sometimes I actually go beyond that, which you can hear in the podcast, anything that is not live. If you are listening to live and a heartfelt thank you to Blog Talk Radio, where this program originates for, once again, featuring the program live on their homepage, um, as well as having it up featured on the live spirituality page. I am very grateful. I have some important things to say today. This is going to be a program that very directly addresses things that we are all facing in this world. And I will also be relying on the words of both spontaneously located um, writers, meaning that before the program today, I simply opened my book. I had a particular book I was opening today, and there it was. And so some of those I will let you know if it's not obvious how it's relevant. That will mostly come up later in the program today, and often that's in the podcast. But this time, because I've extended the live show, I am going to start sharing with you more readings of this nature as long, along with my spontaneous thoughts. But first, I would like to begin with a very relevant quote, which I reacquainted myself with before today's program, from the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. 
He was born, by the way, January 15, 1929, and was sadly assassinated, his life cut short, on April 4, 1968. Violence begets violence. Hate begets hate. Toughness begets a greater toughness. Along the way of life, someone must have enough sense and morality to cut the chain of hate. Coming into today's program, I found myself spontaneously blogging again. The Frontier Beyond Fear website, FrontierBeyondFear.com, has for many years linked to my blog, which has been in existence for quite some time. And I started out as an online writer in discussion forums. That's how I came to even be doing this radio program. But that then, at one point, did... Um, did open up some blogging. At times in the past, I have even had exercises. In fact, this isn't unusual in the past, where I have literally required myself to blog every day. And though the main entry that this program will be based on and is really um, something that is going to invite us all to think and reflect. In fact, I think I have finally somehow derived a spiritual answer to the simulation hypothesis. That may need to be another show or some other articles or something all in its own. But with that said, and we'll talk about that in a little bit, the simulation hypothesis, just to give you a glimpse, which has come up on this program before, is that question that um, where people say, what if we are living in a simulation and that there may be evidence? And often attached to that is this is a material simulation. Now, others have written about, and many of us on the spiritual path have often had come along the way of our spiritual journey, this idea of living in a spiritual exercise, um, that's how I prefer it, that we are here to learn and to grow. And so it is a kind of a spiritual simulation, but normally attached to the simulation hypothesis is that this is like a computer game, that it's some hired material species that has created this artificial, computerized, in whatever higher technology way that could be described at such a level, that we are all living within. If you've ever seen this movie, came out when I was young, or I don't know how young I was, it was a little bit later than when I was really young, this movie Tron, and they did redo it not too many years ago, it was a Disney film where... um, People became trapped in a computer. The main character becomes trapped in a computer, and he's wandering through that. Another example is the Star Trek holodeck. Anyone who's watched Star Trek, 
where they go into this computerized construct, a material higher technology construct, and they have an exercise. That is a material exercise, and it's often attached to a very material way of looking at the world and the universe. We on this program, although I know I have a variety of listeners, I know probably the majority of you are um, spiritually inclined, although not all. I welcome everyone because I feel that, um, and today I'm going to challenge you if you are not spiritually inclined, but um, we see things differently. Many of us have even observed objective evidence of things that do not fit in with the strictly materialistic equation. In fact, I even use somewhat stronger language in the description of this program, calling it a form of fundamentalism, where material fundamentalism means that you are not willing to even consider that there is anything non-material. That is being a strict fundamentalist, um, imposing that interpretation on everything, and including if you see something non-material, well, that must mean we're living in a material simulation that makes such things seem true. I will read a blog entry where I address this that came up yesterday rather spontaneously, but I'll also explore it afterwards. And first, because I think it's really important in these times, and when we look to courageous people um, such as the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., um, who spoke courageously in his time, people like Gandhi, spoke courageously in his time. We need to find the courage to stand up for love. And it's not just in one way. And we need to be working with ourselves daily because none of us is able to be in that perfect space of love. But you can't just say you believe in love in one way and then spew hatred in another. That doesn't work. And when we're doing that, we need to look in the mirror. And yes, of course, we all get riled up about things. Things happen. We feel, I mean, in the world, it's been an endless history of one culture forcing its way into another. And then there is, I mean, there's the need for vengeance. It goes back and forth. It just keeps propagating. Shall we go back to the words of Martin Luther King? Violence begets violence. Violence begets violence. He says again that someone must have enough sense and morality to cut the chain of hate. It is 
an inclination to feel wronged. Horrible things can happen in this world and are happening and have happened. But spirituality can help us find a higher way, a better way, a more lasting way forwards. And we cannot let that voice be silenced. I'm going to read, I can bring it up here, how I came to blog again is very much relevant. So I will read a couple of blog posts here. You will find a link to my blog in the show page or the most recent post. But I'm going to, I don't often read my own writing out loud. I may do it somewhat more now at times. I read other writers more. Um, but this will help to frame where I'm coming from because these words came from my heart. On Thursday, February 23rd, 2023, the title is A Spontaneous Return. I always find a quote for the beginning of my blog, and the quote that I found was, It's a funny thing about coming home. Looks the same, smells the same, feels the same. You'll realize what's changed is you. That's by F. Scott Fitzgerald. The blog post. I hadn't really intended to return here today, though I must admit I had thought about it recently. How I will return is yet to be seen. What I know is I'm here. I kind of stumbled into it while doing some online housekeeping, and so here I am. Have I changed? We are always changing. My voice has not been silent. And I will add that as a link to this radio program because that's where I've been speaking publicly. There will be no more, quote, daily writing exercises, unquote, here. My writing doesn't work that way. I write when I write and when I do write daily. It is not an exercise. Given the continuing in parentheses, and increasingly unsettled the world. We don't always need to respond to it immediately as if on demand. That's what went wrong with this blog. I started to feel like I was setting up an expectation to, quote, write on demand, unquote, on the world's schedule, not mine, and worse yet in alignment with whatever the, quote, expectation of the day, unquote, happened to be. That sort of an exercise, in quotes, does not lend itself either to authenticity or free exploration or, for that matter, to deep and honest reflection. You will not find me echoing here, quote, the thought of the day, unquote, whatever that happens to be, 
like an artificial flock of parrots, in parentheses. Do uncaged parrots flock? I really couldn't tell you, close parentheses. The blog, look, the blog looks the same. It's a kind of a home. The quote I chose for today isn't necessarily one I entirely agree with. Usually home, when you've been absent, does indeed change. Some things may feel the same, but many things will be different. And if we are noticing, we will find we too are changing. That part of the quote is much more true. And when we are changing, we may actually notice even, quote, old things, unquote, in new ways. In fact, that is what we can expect if we are noticing. It feels good to return. I may even be back tomorrow. So that was my blog entry. Um, this is Susan Laris and Dan's, and that is my blog. And that was from Thursday, two days ago. As it turned out, although I didn't obligate myself to do it, and I can't even tell you if I will today, I'm certainly not going to obligate myself, but if I feel so inclined, I may write in this blog later, or I may not. I may just take a break. Yesterday was Friday, February 24th, 2023, the main post on which this program is based. But this post before is important because it leads into the kind of honesty and authenticity that is invited in this moment. It's not easy to find it. I know that. It's not easy for any of us. None of us finds it completely in any one moment. That's really difficult to do. It is a work in progress. And we are communicating with one another. So we do our best to communicate in the most meaningful way possible. My writing started when years ago I started writing as bridge builder on a couple of different forums. One was a Christian apologetics forum to begin with, and another, um, and I was coming in talking about unconditional love and talking about things like hell and how that didn't feel compatible, and we had real discussions. I've had a number of real discussions, both in person and online over the years, discussing some pretty challenging, deeply felt topics. And people have been receptive to that. Why is that? Because when you're on the bridge, there can be discussions. In fact, Martin Luther King encouraged engagement. When we simply react, I know it's so easy to do, and we all react sometimes. I may seem like today I have a little... A um, bit of a reactive sense. And to some degree, there is some truth to that. How do we balance it out? How do we temper it? How do we find that space of real expression and love? 
combined and mutual. Here now is the blog post that I wrote yesterday on February 24th, 2023, entitled the same as this program today, Spiritual Reality, Material Illusion. Quote, reality is merely an illusion, albeit a very persistent one. Unquote. That's by Albert Einstein. My blog begins. And it shows, by the way, a picture that I took some years ago of a synchronistic heart on a trail that I was walking. Very beautiful picture with which reflects part of a forest in a, essentially a mud puddle in the shape of a heart. And there it was. And I not only encountered it once, I encountered it more than once. And I would encounter other things along that way in that same area, not very far. One day, someone had written, love yourself. They had sketched it out in the rocks. These are synchronicities. These are evidence of spiritual experience. That alone is not enough, no, to prove anything to anybody. But over time, some very specific things can come to us that are just so improbable that they are unexplainable. Some of these things, in fact, this came up in the last week, have to do with soul family, how it's just totally impossible. A, a, what came up was the artist, Richard Crooks, who's done the art, who has done the artwork for this program, and how I found him, how another person who is a long-term friend had had a beautiful um, colored rendering on a book cover, and I asked, who did this? Because it was beautiful, and I was told it was Richard Crooks many years ago, and so I looked for this person. I contacted him. I was given a way to reach him, or I found it. I can't remember. It was so many years ago. Well, as it's turned out, this circle of people, and, and not only that, he was across the world. He was in... Um, the United Kingdom at that time, and now he works out of Thailand. So here I am in the United States, and I just find my way to this artist. And what's happened since then is how within this circle of people, no matter how far apart we may be, and we are far flung across the world, we discover that we've interacted with other people that are very unlikely, not like super famous people that everybody might know, you know, not like we just went to some presentation, but just how in the world could we possibly know some of the same people having never been introduced or discovered them? This then does become somewhat more provable. And what I've also been researching with relation to a more than one circle is how there can be parallels in the past. Circles of people in the past with physical resemblances and life parallels or even reversals. That's a whole other topic. Though I did write about it on another forum where my writing became more visible, which was the Oprah Forum. And I was truly honored at the time to be featured on Oprah's front page of her website. 
multiple times. And it would always be under what people are talking about or something like that. It was a close heading to that. And because this was the discussion forum and it was just something that was really engaging people in conversation. And I wasn't always the author. Sometimes it was somebody else who'd started a topic and I was engaging on that topic and we were meeting on the bridge and we came from different ways of thinking. It was a general spiritual forum. We did not all think the same. And we came to a space of love for one another over time and respect. And yes, viewpoints did change over time. When have we ever been taught that we need to be right from day one and will never change our opinions? And that is something to be admired. We imply that that's what we believe, but we do not. And we had better not believe it because that is the worst form of intolerance and really lack of love for yourself or for anyone else if you can't learn and grow along the way. We take in new information over time. Our life experiences change us. We are not stuck We are never stuck. And the same is true of a society. The same is true for our world. We can learn and grow. We don't have to regress either. And unfortunately, that happens far too often. I'm really glad that I extended the live show. That was a good intuitive leap to do that, and I think it was time. I've done it once before, and then I pulled back, and now I'm back on that ground again. I'm really happy that those of you listening live, and before I read this post, I will acknowledge and just give you, in case you tuned in late, um, my name is Susan Larison Dans, and if you are listening live, you are listening on Blog Talk Radio to the Frontier Beyond Fear broadcast, and this program has been here on Blog Talk Radio broadcasting live, almost every time live, very rarely recorded. And even if it is recorded, there's usually a live introduction since October 2010. I've also spoken in other forms of radio format as a caller. There have been days that were much more lofty than today in terms of where I have spoken on radio. And we will see what is yet to be seen. But I trust that whoever is listening here live or whoever has discovered this podcast, which will indeed be expanding to some more locations, it's on iHeartRadio, it's on Google Podcasts, it's on Apple Podcasts, it's on a couple more. It will go some new places soon. Okay. Now, if I can give me a second and get this up. Dear, let's see what's... I think I... Okay, (laughs) here we are. Trying Trying to talk and be on the computer at the same time which usually I'm quite good at doing, but I lost a page there for a second. Here we go. The title of yesterday's blog post. 
which was also spontaneously started. I spent a little more time on it, and I already gave you the quote from Albert Einstein, which I will repeat. Reality is merely an illusion, albeit a very persistent one. By Albert Einstein. And now, my blog. When we speak of, quote, reality, unquote, actual reality, we are essentially engaging in our relationship with truth. An entire world can embrace utter illusion, but that doesn't change our personal relationship with truth. Quote, reality, unquote, is far too often Silently prefaced with the word, with the word material, in quotes. That's the assumption. That's the illusion. Those of us who have objectively witnessed and studied things that cannot be explained by the illusion of, quote, material reality, unquote, know the truth goes deeper. A materialist might say, in parentheses, and this is a hypothesis that fits for materialists, and I will tell you there is a link there in the blog that goes to a description of the simulation hypothesis, continuing with the blog. Or let's repeat that. A materialist might say, and this is a hypothesis that fits for materialists, any evidence of a, quote, non-material, unquote, reality must necessarily be evidence we are living in a material simulation. Materialism is assumed without question and nothing else. The simulation hypothesis contains the convenient aspect of necessarily negating verification of any, all capital letters, observation. After all, if you are living in a simulation, how can you objectively observe and verify anything, anything at all? Thus, it implicitly discourages the honest exploration of reality. It's only a hypothesis, nothing more, and it arises out of materialism. We spend a lot of time evading exploration. We lack the courage to consider our paradigm may be collapsing. We even deny that paradigms have regularly collapsed. Those things we assumed were true. No doubt we would dwell on intentional evasion even more intently should observation defy our presumed constructs. Why is spiritual reality important? Does spirituality exist because we can observe it? Could it even be a part of a, quote, material illusion? unquote, if it didn't have a foundation as a, quote, concept, unquote. Spiritual reality, 
is such a profound discovery. Even to observe it is to create it. Love is at its center. But I'll see. How tragic it is to see just how much we have sacrificed at the altar of materialism. We also sacrifice our authenticity daily. We pretend the real, with a capital R, doesn't exist to, quote, fit in, even when we know better. We allow everyone and everything around us to pretend it doesn't exist as well, without question. We even immerse our children in learning about what we know is a material illusion. And then we are surprised when spirituality is mocked and silenced. We participate in the silence. We even silently participate in the mockery. We appear to accept it, and so we propagate it. We project an illusion, and we do know better. This isn't going to work anymore. The material world we live in is hanging in the balance. The materialistic paradigm appears to be nearing its final gasp. This is an excellent day to share some videos demonstrating what happens when materialism fails. All of our centuries of, quote, development, unquote, have brought us to this. I hardly have room to share them all, but I will trust my inclination. We aren't learning enough about this lately. We sh were schooled in it well long ago. This particular scene was widely viewed on, quote, network television, unquote, in 1983. And I'll invite you to look at these videos after the broadcast or if you're listening in the podcast because that you really need to sit with them. Um, they aren't real easy to watch, some of them. Um, in fact, the first one is something I remember very well. In 1983, I was just starting college. That was my first year in college, or it might have come in the fall, which would be my um, second year beginning. I'm not sure when this was on. I think you remember it was in the winter. I'd have to look it up. And it was from a broadcast that was two nights, as I thought it was two nights. I'm pretty sure. Again, I didn't look it all up. I just remember the memory, and I have a scene. And it was called The Day After. And it depicted a nuclear exchange as they existed or would have existed in that time because they've changed since then. Things have, at um, least I address this in the blog, so-called progressed. I mean, we can put that in quotes, but things have changed. And it's something people need to be reminded of. That's why I put the video in the blog. So um, if you're younger and you really didn't know, you know, because it just isn't talked about much and you think this is just, you know, actually young or old, a lot of people need to be reminded as to just how horrific 
it was on network television. So what you'll see is, I mean, most movies today, even heck, probably pretty much all television today, so many things are much more jarring and visual than this is. But even so, you know, there's, I noticed the video has a small disclaimer I think someone put in there. And, you know, I would be mindful of, of who watches that, but it is widely available and was on network television, probably at the time, you know, telling people that this was, you know, something you should take care of. But again, in those days, things were a lot different regarding that. Um, so that's the first video. Back to the blog. An astonishing number of people watched the day after. Back then, we would have network television events that reached a lot of people, and people surely paid attention to this one. It depicted just one place, but people understood it was bigger than that. The counterattack was referenced as well, but not shown. See War Games below for a demonstration, the subject being mutually assured destruction, in quotes, also known as MAD. We all knew what this was, by the way, in the 80s. The next video shows a television news broadcast describing what happened when the day after aired and just how it impacted so many people and it was so visceral at the time and how they reacted. Back to my blog. I was actually more moved at the time by the quieter movie, Testament. And each of these movies, when I reference them, there's a link to the Wikipedia page which describes it. As it better demonstrated the, quote, slow motion, unquote, personal poignancy in intensely tragic ways, it reminds me in a way of how a family member returning rather recently from a trip described the bottles of water people still leave as an offering in Nagasaki, and in parentheses, because people who survived could find no water to drink. And as if in concert, I need to take a drink. Isn't that something I almost never do? That's amazing. <coughs> Universal synchronicity there. Never do I stop to take a drink. I can talk and talk with the best of them. That's the universe. Actually, that's the omnipresent universe in me responding. That's a synchronicity in itself. How fascinating. Back to my blog. So anyway, there's a scene from Testament. I'll describe it a little. Testament. In Testament, the people are not as close. to the. They're more in a suburb. I think it's near San Francisco, and the whole story has to do with what happens after that big city is hit, and the people who were not in the city are not spared, and it's very tragic. In fact, in many ways, Testament is probably a more um, mature film, although the scene I show is not. It's very tame. Um, than um, just emotionally mature, which is why I was moved by it more, even at, when I was younger. Not to say that you can't be very aware when you're younger in terms of being moved. I was 
much better read at that time. I mean, I was right in the midst of my studies. Um, I was very moved by the human drama as the bottles of water convey the very real human drama of what happened in Nagasaki. It didn't just end with the blast. And I had never heard that until a family member told me about it, that there are bottles of water all around um, in a memorial area. People literally leave them as offerings to those who were dying of thirst because they survived, but they they had nothing to drink. Another 1983 movie was quite popular and considered, quote, lighter entertainment. War games even included AI in the equation. This is a pivotal point in the film. Spoiler alert, but worth viewing. And in that, um, if you haven't seen this movie, it shows how AI learns. You know, it's one of these movies about a computer gone amok and it's going to launch in a few of these movies. In this movie, in fact, I love this because it really echoes something I feel about AI that um, that maybe we can discuss more in another program, and I've actually tried to put forward in fiction, although it didn't really... Um, I was involved in something at one point where I recommended this, but it wasn't taken. It was too optimistic, I guess. <laughs> Because people like to look at non-optimistic views of AI. Well, you know what? War games already had taken this view where a computer learns that this is not a game that anyone can win. And there is a scene that involves tic-tac-toe and teaching the computer. And it also very vividly for the time that it was in, because things were much slower than how they worked, Um, what it would have been like. We were well-versed in this when we were young. I've been watching and writing. I would write poetry about nuclear war. When we were young, we knew about this. But somehow people seem to have forgotten, and we need to be reminded because this is what the material emphasis in our world has brought us to the brink of. And, you know, it's not in my blog and I know the live show is going to go down here. So I invite you, if, if you're listening live, see, it's still not long enough. Should have made it an hour today. <laughs> you can hear the rest in the podcast. What about the natural world? You know, we talk about other impacts to the natural world, but can you imagine any type of warfare is devastating? to nature. And nuclear war is at an unparalleled level of devastation. And for us to have the pride, the arrogance, the condescension, and this will come up in the last part of the show, um, that we can just subject the natural world and all the creatures in it, all of the birds, everything, all of the beauty, the trees, things that have been um, living, you know, for so very long that we can impose our will on nature in such a way is beyond despicable. 
we don't just impact our own species, but all the others. And that in the worst possible way. We've elevated other ways. That's worse. The worst possible way is if there's a nuclear war. That would be the worst. There is not, I mean, I'm sure we could come up with some other things that are really bad, but we forget just how bad that would be. Okay, live show audience, thank you for being here. Thank you, Blog Talk Radio, for featuring the program throughout on the homepage. FrontierBeyondFear.com is where you can go. Okay, back to the blog. We had a lot to think about back then. At least back then, we were given something to think about. And thinking about it was considered okay. Talking about how we felt about it was fine, too. Here is one particular way we saw the future. From a film made in 1984, though the story is older, 2010 seemed far away yet very close. This series also happened to famously or infamously contain AI, though it's not relevant to the following scene. Other things are, and in this scene you have these um, astronauts and cosmonauts are on a journey to um, investigate an anomaly that that is, if you, this is a follow-up movie to 2001. And there is something going on in a country um, in this particular movie. I can't remember exactly where it was, but it was somewhere in South America or Central America. And it's escalated, and there's a blockade, and there's all this stuff going on. And these the astronauts and cosmonauts are told to separate. They can't be in each other's ships and that, you know, something that, that there is essentially, you know, this is a crisis. And... Um, you can watch the video scene to see this. It's very powerful. And prior to this point in the movie, these scientists had been working with one another because they were trying to figure out what was going on with Jupiter, this anomaly. Back to the blog. Things have progressed, in quotes, since the early 1980s materially. How have we progressed spiritually? Whatever has brought us to this insane level of material ignorance, and in parentheses, and denial, and it's taken centuries of it, I can tell you one thing. It isn't worth it. It will never be worth it. It was just as, quote, mad, unquote, then, as it is now. Is spirituality itself capable of, quote, winning, unquote? And that, by the way, is kind of a reference back to the war game simulation in that clip. Hint, spirituality is capable of anything in all capitals. It is, after all, about mutually assured survival also known as love, L-O-V-E, in all capital letters, omnipresent, unconditional, and even beyond our imaginations, 
sometimes we can glimpse it. That's reality in cap with a capital R. It's no illusion. Spoiler alert below, and in that I show the conclusion, and it is a spoiler alert, to the movie 2010, which resolves the situation in a rather remarkable way and how that changes our world. We are... Okay, the end of the blog. I'm going to skip the very end. It's time to be open and honest about how more and more of us truly feel about it. Why not today? Yesterday being February 24th, 2023. I'll now speak just for a little bit longer. I actually had other writings I was going to share today from the past, which I will not. I'll keep them for the future because I think we'll be talking about this topic in other ways. I'll have some short quotes, actually. In fact, now's the perfect time for another quote from the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. Returning hate for hate multiplies hate adding deeper darkness to a night already devoid of stars. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. And a separate quote I had noted once again from the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., and I do choose to use all of his titles. I find it very odd that I know he may have been a humble man, but we're talking about spirituality here. And I think it's important to note that he was a minister, and he saw, he was a Baptist minister, and he saw the power of love. Another quote that's quite famous, I'm sure many of you have heard this one. I have decided to stick to love. Hate is too great a burden to bear. When we find ourselves in a state of, going back to the earlier quote, violence begets violence. We are not in a spiritual place. We are in a very material place. And often people refer back to other conflicts and say, you know what, do you just, you know, you that, that there are reasons, you know, you talk about the World War II generation and what happened then. We don't have the luxury, and truthfully, we never did. Because one conflict has led to another in history. If you follow the train of history, that's what happens. Because it's visceral, horrible things occur. We don't have the luxury anymore to be thinking like that. 
anyone who thinks that way is not being realistic, even in a material way. And they are taking all of our lives and the planets and every natural living thing on it along with them on the ride. We must, we are required, we have developed to the point where we do not have a choice except to grow up and find the bridge. We can't be children anymore and we can't be led by childish people who do not have the emotional maturity to do the difficult work. At one point, there was discussion of a Department of Peace. In fact, Marianne Williamson had been part of that. And I'm not particularly on the page of any one person. This, is, this show is not about, um, this particular broadcast is not about politics. It's about emotional maturity. It's about doing the very difficult work and pretending that we're playing a game when we're not. That's not the hard work. That's a very shallow piece of work, and we need to do better. Because, look, our lives are on the line. Our children's lives, the children of the entire earth. And there have been some very bad decisions made in recent years in other ways that have jeopardized those lives. In fact, I can go all the way back that this has been discussed on this program and it's late in the show, but if you look at evidence of intelligent life, the whole Fermi paradox thing, there is a group of scientists not seeing the evidence that high-technology species survive. Oh, sure, there may be scattered examples, and yes, we all talk about the whole, um, you know, what are these things that people are observing, and I'm not going to get into that, but vastly, there is no evidence that technology is actually something that leads to advancement. It is a flash. In the next show, I will talk about um, that particular study that some um, have come out of the Fermi paradox, which is basically where are these technological races? Where are these technological species out on other planets? If we, we miss the boat, I know that we needed to learn and we're here as humanity as we're here. Um, we are learning, but we we have just obliterated our planet in even without additional ways of doing so. And I speak specifically, you know, people get all caught up in one way. I look all the way back at all the ways, just the clearing of the forest. I was reading one of the books that um, I have, it's older and it has a number of American authors. It's an American literature series. And they talk about how, um, actually, I'm forgetting just how much they say. And um, I am going to look this up. Where they're describing um, what this continent 
what this area was like. Um, and really, they're only talking about where the United States currently occupies. It was more than half of it covered by ancient forests of fabulous density. Where are we learning that? You know, I knew that there were trees. I mean, and I know, um, you know, I know the East Coast had a lot of forests, but usually we just focus on the redwoods. How the redwoods were cut down, and what a tragedy! Do you realize we cleared this land of beautiful forests? And in fact, I did have a poem um, which speaks of it. I'll save it by a an American author, where he's describing these ancient trees. They weren't just in the Pacific Northwest. Sure, there were prairie lands, yes, and let's talk about the buffalo. And it wasn't just here. Europe had giant trees. That's how they built the cathedrals. We have been on such a journey of pride. It's arrogant pride, where we have thought that we could do whatever Ever we liked to the natural world. And what that ultimately leads to is utter destruction. I'm not saying we're going there. We have a chance. We have a chance to awaken. And let's be clear. I'm not a big fan of other ways of destroying the environment. Introducing toxic batteries and things introducing wind farms that kill birds. And are, there's a great deal of evidence that they're also impacting, at least the surveys, impacting whales and dolphins. We just keep continuing, and we just keep coming up with new ways. And now what, we're going to start mining everywhere? Because we're just that stuck? We have to change. How will change? I cannot tell you. I would love to believe that it will be miraculous because it really will be a spiritual awakening how this comes about. And miracles do happen. If it doesn't, this experience of our society will go down in the Akash, the record of all that is, and other beings study it and say, yeah, some of them will say, yeah, I was involved in a planet where we did the same thing. And wouldn't it be interesting to look at the planets and this study about the Fermi paradox came to this conclusion that you must find a way to live in balance with your planet. That's how you survive. Will we find a way? I have every hope that we will. I do want to just include a small quote at the end of the program today from one of my favorites, Immaculate Ilabajiza, who was born in Rwanda in 1972 and was caught up in a horrendous conflict where all of her loved ones was ki were killed, or many of her loved ones. And she 
ended up um, hiding in a bathroom with her neighbors from her neighbors because it became so horrendous what occurred. We will refer back briefly to Martin Luther King, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr. Violence begets violence. Hate begets hate. Immaculate says at the very end, and I'll just give you, okay, I'll read just part of this. In the paragraph before the end, she says at the beginning, as for the land of my birth, I know that Rwanda can heal herself if each heart learns the lesson of forgiveness. Tens of thousands who were jailed for killing during the genocide are starting to be released into their old towns and villages. So if there was ever a time for forgiveness, it is now. Rwanda can be a paradise again, but it will take the love of the entire world to heal my homeland. And that's as it should be for what happened in Rwanda happened to us all. Humanity was wounded by the genocide. The love of a single heart can make a world of difference. I believe that we can heal Rwanda and our world by healing one heart at a time. I hope my story helps. That's from Immaculate Ela Bejesus book left to tell and the subtitle is discovering god amidst the rwandan holocaust and um, immaculate is a dedicated catholic and was hidden by a priest that's how she survived in a bathroom he hid them and there are so many other stories from our past there are so many stories from our present. Little did she know that the world would continue to be and approach once again the very precipice. We must not only find the emotional maturity to address this as adults, we must find the spiritual maturity Love, omnipresent love, more powerful, more vast than we could ever imagine, can help us just as it helped Immaculate, no matter where we are in the world. And we need to look ourselves in the mirror and deeply think about who we are and the half-truths, often less than half-truths, that we are telling ourselves and being told to push us in directions that are not 
in the interests of love or in the interests of humanity or in the interests of the earth and all the creatures on the earth and whatever trees remain. We are all in this together and we are inseparable from one another, from the earth, from the universe, and from the multiverse. Because I know this, I find the courage to speak. And I also find the courage to hope and to trust that if there is a way that our souls, before we came here in this life, envisioned could be found, We will find it. Do I know that with certainty? No. Because if we don't have the maturity to even look for it or find it or have enough people, although miracles can be pretty surprising as to how they work, well then, it will be a lesson for us. And we'll go on and again, This is tricky to discuss because we don't really work in linear time necessarily. This could be in parallel. We don't understand the nature of time very well outside our current constructs when we're here on the earth. It will be a lesson that is not just for us but for everyone as to how the story of the earth and how we came to be this way and what happened and what we learned about it. And how did love speak even then? Even if we meet our final moment, how does love speak? Immaculate had a few things to say about that. So did the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. So have others. Each of us can be a voice in our own way. Do you believe in what I say? Feel it in your heart. Live it. Like Immaculate says, each it takes a person at a time and we are imperfect. Yes. We do have chips on our shoulders sometimes. We've been hurt. We've been wounded. We need to work with those wounds. Love heals wounds. One more thing before I go. This show's going way over the normal. I happened to watch the movie Good Will Hunting last night, which I hadn't seen in a long time. Robin Williams is in it, and the main character is this young genius that is a janitor at MIT. But there were things in that movie that, I had to see with respect to how it's not just IQ, and this wasn't totally in the movie, it was kind of implied. Some people like Immaculate can be be brilliant in a different way. They can develop a type of spiritual genius, emotional genius. These are the people who can help us find our way forward and we don't have to be a genius we just have to live in the space of our hearts 
But there's a part of the movie which had to do with this character's love for himself because he had been abused. He had gone through horrible things as a foster child. And he had to realize that it wasn't his fault. And he had to, in that moment, find this love for himself. And only then could he move forward. And Robin Williams is playing um, either, I think, a psychologist um, in the film, a counselor. He's a professor. Um, They don't say, I'm pretty sure he's a psychologist, um, not a psychiatrist. There is a difference. Um, And Robin Williams, it may be whatever. He doesn't, this is all talk therapy. Um, which is exactly what a lot of people need. And it's very in-depth talk therapy. And he finds the way to loving himself. And then he can move forward and he can bring his gift to the world. And he can love others. That comes up too. Because this kid, he has a chip on his shoulder. He's fighting. He's really rough. He grew, grew up in a rough environment and um, it shows how he changes we have the capacity to change and each and each and every one of us can do that work that is what we have in front of us that is how we save the planet There is no formula. There's not something that if you go out and buy it, you're going to save the planet. Sadly, no. Um, We haven't really developed what we need or it's not widely, you know, we haven't, we have studied things that we need, but they're not being promoted. So that's another topic too. So many things in our world, they're contrived. You only hear a part of the story and not the whole thing. That so disrespects you. Anyone who just gives you a very convenient part of a story without all the rest, they have no respect for you. Respect is an expression of love. And really, those who are sadly in that state, they lack love for themselves. They seek things to fill that hole that will never fill the gap until they find that love. And when they find that love, even to a little degree, they will find enough love for others to behave better. Each of us has our own work to do. I will close now. Thank you for being here. Those of you now are all in the podcast, I know, but if you started out listening live, thank you for that as well. If you stumbled upon this and you've listened, listened all the way to the end in the podcast, I, I am very, um, very honored to have you here with me. Whoever you are, wherever you are, thank you for spending your time listening. I will continue to do my best to share from my heart. No, I won't write every day in my blog, or it's pretty unlikely. I will not obligate myself unless I feel like it any more than I come on this show and speak every day. But I will write, 
and I will speak, and I will reflect, and I will explore, and I will do my best to bring the best of me to you. That's what each of us is called to do in our own way. Take care, everyone. I will see you next time.